What's up, it's John Savage. Uh, there's a million things we all want to do, but how to do them all. So I'm going to try help unpack all those things, podcasting, AI, and tech, so that you don't have to worry about the how. Welcome to the Wasteland episodes. Why the Wasteland episodes? Because I actually started a podcast in 2016 called The Digital Caveman. And it was all about like uh, interviewing the smartest minds that were trying to navigate the digital world. And if um, I spoke to some amazing people from all around the world, there are about 10 episodes. And I'm just going to dump them all here uh, from 2016. I don't know if I said that or not. Um, I thought they were pretty interesting. Uh, they're kind of out of date at this moment. So one thing it might inspire you to, it might just give you context of what's happened in the last few years. And three, you can hear some of the brightest minds in the digital space speaking sometimes way ahead of their time, sometimes during their time. <laughs> All right. And then um, here's 10 episodes that I'm just dropping. And then after that, we'll go to the uh, the next stuff. All right. The world of advertising, entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation are in a new era of transformation. It's tough out there. And there are no rules. That's why we all need to group together and help each other out of the darkness into the light. We are all digital cavemen. This is the Digital Caveman Podcast, brought to you by Thread. Yo, it's John Savage, and I'm here with uh, another episode of the Digital Caveman Podcast, uh, where we talk about just the shit in the digital world. My guest today is Brennan Wright from iDigital, who I met recently at a very interesting meeting, and we're going to... We're going to continue that conversation. It's very nice to have you here. Uh, I think you're doing some very crazy and cool stuff. Can you give us a bit of background about iDigital? Cool. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here on these flamboyant chairs. Uh, it's lovely being here. We flew um, them in just for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, um, iDigital, we we are a digital agency. And as every digital agency will tell you, we are different to all the rest. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the way that we are different is uh, we like to we like to focus on on the influencer market. Before influencers were even a word, we we started working with them. That came as a result of of my background, and it was quite cool. It was quite interesting. It was kind of by mistake. I was dating a lady who was on TV and had a lot of followers, and she had a lot more followers than than some of the brands that we had. And uh, all of a sudden, we thought we thought, why don't we just do what we're doing for brands with her? And accidentally started doing the right thing with her, and uh, and realized that her friends. And, and people around her doing the same thing could get value from that too. So that's one thing that we focus on is influencers. And, and as a result so just, of that... Uh, define an influencer sure. in your eyes. An influencer for us is, is not necessarily about the size of their audience. It's about people who have influence within specific spaces that brands want to access. Having a large influence is obviously useful in terms of reach and numbers of audience. But a lot of the time, brands aren't necessarily chasing that. So you don't have to use just one influence. You can use multiple influences in many ways to get an even more even more of a return on your investment with them. So yeah, in short, influences are people just like human beings uh, outside of social media who have influence over a certain group of people. Social media just allows them to leverage it more. Cool. And you were going to continue about the other things that you do? Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, other, the other USP is um, we found that from having this wonderful network and working with all of these influencers, we were able to distribute content a lot more effectively. So we started specializing in content distribution, making that shit that you spoke of earlier go viral. So uh, let me try and understand something. Do you mean that... Your brand's content gets pushed 
by the influencers or do the influencers host that content or how does it work in a way that is seen as authentic and not just uh, like taking over a channel or with a brand? It might help to to define what types of influencers there are. So they're obviously the celebrity types yeah. who, who are famous outside of social and then they're the digital natives, those who are huge online just from being brilliant at content. So when you're able to develop that network, you can start to identify who's good at what, who fits into what spaces. And so those pieces of content will fit with those influencers because we understand what the influencers like to push um, because they're naturally doing that anyway. So we're always fitting it that way. I think mm. that's the only way to do it. And the authenticity comes from, from them doing it in the way that they feel is the best way. Right. So you give them free reign to sort of speak yeah. in their language or you adapt the content for their language. It's often tricky as well because brands are used to having a lot of control. Yeah. Agencies and, and companies are having a lot of control over how their stuff gets advertised. And when it's advertising, people pick up on that bullshit very quickly. Mm. The way you want to look at it is, is that typical explanation like we spoke about last time. When you're going into a bra, when you're going into a party, you're always going to be meeting new people. And there's always that circle, you know, that circle of people. Mm. And if uh, one person walks in there and starts trying to sell you shit, you're going to immediately switch off. So you can identify very much how to play it by using that analogy. How would you respond to things? What kind of a group of people are you speaking to? And social is cool because it allows you to get insights on that group before you even go there. So then how does that, like, how does that have an influence on the actual content itself? In the sort of, let's just say, you know, this cold drink brand is trying to sell this cold drink and you've identified a specific influencer. How do you connect those two what comes first, the content or the brand message, and how do you manage that relationship? Mm, it's, if I may say, a brilliant question. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's what I'll, we spend all our lives you, you figuring do, out as well. <laughs> you, you do great questions on the show. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I can give you a good enough answer to that. Uh, it works both ways. Often, uh, a brand's going to have a very specific message that they need to get out there. That does help because uh, that's really all the influencer needs is to know what are you trying to say. And if the fit's good enough, then the influencer can create their own content around that. The beautiful thing is that they're creators oftentimes. The digital natives are creatives. They're better than us even yeah, yeah, at yeah, doing yeah. this stuff. You know, that's what they do. Uh, so they can often create stuff around that message in their own authentic way. And that's the way we prefer it. As much as we can, we're allowed to give them free reign. Then on the other side, you're going to have things that are quite branded. And uh, we structure those sponsorships or those contracts accordingly. So the less of a fit there is, the more branded it is, the more money that brand's got to pay and the more they have to realize that it's, it's going to probably be sussed as a bit of an advertisement. But then again, I'll give you an example. We had a client who had to rep air freshener, I mean, toilet spray. And uh, <laughs> that was quite a challenge. How, mm. do you, how do you make that authentic? Yeah. Uh, and so we had to work with the influencer on making an authentic message and it worked it actually did work at the end of the day so, so that so you're both. definitely part of the message creation process because you've got to mm. obviously translate it into the language or that the, that the influencer can put forward exactly yeah. so then and then um and then so what how, what is the influencer interested in this are, are they paid per tweet or they paid how do you work out a system i mean you don't have to give away any of your secrets but it's interesting to me just doing the project that we're doing where we've bought into these big artists we're creating music with them videos with them and occasionally we just cannot get them to st stick to a, a tweeting schedule social media ske schedule despite everything how do you manage that process 
And how important is it to manage that process? It's extremely important for both parties to manage that process when there's money involved. Yeah. So we step in as being the mediators between those two relationships because we understand both sides. Oftentimes it's the gap of understanding between the two parties. They don't understand each other. And so we mediate that relationship. And it is important to get those things out there in the right time because those times have been chosen specifically as to when you're going to have the most impact. Sometimes, hmm. very rarely, you can just let it let it run but you do have to have an element of control you've obviously got objectives that you're working with you've got those brand briefs that you have to follow yes where the influencers really don't care about that stuff if yeah. they see an email they freak out they yeah. don't want to see that stuff yeah, yeah so yeah, we yeah. have certain ways that we can we can manage that process uh, we actually do the social media for a lot of them mm. so it's within our control to do that and the most important thing is and the reason why we are still so under the radar is because people don't understand that everything that's going out there has been approved by the influencer. We don't post without them going, I love that, or put that full stop here rather than there. I'm not sure if that's answering your question well mm -hmm. enough, but yes, timing and, and executing according to what is required is important, but you do need to understand the flex from both sides to make that happen, to make it work. A lot of the campaigns actually don't work because there isn't that understanding between the two. To get out of the cave and move into the future, you need to be an innovator. You need to be a digital caveman. That leads me on to what, what do you find the most challenging and what do you wish that both parties would understand about each other? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I think the most challenging is twofold. We've got, we've got to try to get the influencer as much money for what they're doing and we've got to get the brand as much reward for what they want said. Mm. So we've also then got to do it in the most authentic way. So I think the biggest challenge is to find the right mixes, to find the right fits, because oftentimes they'll each have their own ideas to how it should work, but they don't have as much information as we do to recommend, rather use these 10 people in a conversation like this versus a tweet schedule with this one person. Right. So I think that can often be a challenge. The biggest challenge, which you've experienced, I think, on a weekly basis, and a lot of people sitting in these chairs are going to experience this too, is the education process, mm. is being able to educate those people on each side as to the benefits of what we're doing, the benefits of how it can benefit both of them if you do it properly. Mm. Social media here, we still have to do a lot of explaining. We still have to do a lot of educating. We still have to go, you've just spent 50 rand and reached 13,000 people whereas your ad in the zigzag mag was 12,500 rand and it reached 12,000 subscribers for that month. Mm. So getting technical then, mm -hmm. um, because, and I think we discussed this the last time you were here, the fact that there are not yet algorithms to measure the engagement, it has so much obvious more value than, say, a brand getting a Facebook like or whatever. So how do you keep the books balanced? How do you keep the equations making sense to your client? Or is it just like... Trust us, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez, the, the trust part is funny. It's mm. all about trust. Everything online is about trust. Quantifying trust is the trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's just like with people. Again, when, you, when you're meeting those people at the bri or at the party and you're going in alone, that trust gap is it's clear, it's apparent. And it takes you a lot longer to, to bridge that gap versus if you'd gone there with a friend who knew everyone and introduced you and spoke highly of you. Right, right. So right, right, that's right. what influencers do for brands. They're doing that for the brands to that group of people. Mm. The trust gap's hard to quantify, and I think that's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. How do you tell a client to trust you? Well, there are a few things that clients want to see. 
that they might not know that they want to see. So oftentimes it's the soft stuff. So PR is a good example. Mm-hmm. They want to see that article. They want to see. They want to see Gareth Cliff tweeting about my company that one time. Even though it might not have as much effect for their business, they see that and understand that. Because so it's in gotta, their world now. You've got to play that game of giving them what they understand yeah. and then also giving them that real return in terms of whatever their objectives were yeah. and, and, and finding those metrics to actually show them this is what you are achieving. Mm. And, and sometimes it is a bit of a stretch, but a lot of the times we, we're able to show some engagement in a way that they do understand. Hmm. It just takes a little bit of time for them to understand those specific metrics. Cool. How important is the personality of the influencer? Ah, very important. <laughs> because, I mean, if you can't manage that, then, then what do you do? Wow. Because uh, I mean, now you're really in the Wild West. We're, we, we yeah. are, we're now rowing out to sea here. <laughs> <laughs> we um, had a client who was the most challenging client to work with. And I love him. He's brilliant at what he does. An amazing personality. But admittedly, he don't care, man. He just doesn't care about what he's saying, when he's saying it. He's highly controversial, and that's what he's built his brand on. So at any minute, you could have a Twitter war, and it happened right. every month. And, <laughs> and, and it's difficult for, for us to connect the right brands to him. But his personality was the reason why some brands wanted to go for him. Yeah, the mm. personality is everything. So again, you, you go, if you join with him, you, you understand the risk that you're getting into. Yeah. It might pay off tenfold, or it might backfire and implode. Extremities teach you the lessons, right? That's where you learn all the lessons. And we learned so much with that one client uh, (laughs) that we were able to build in quite a few good systems because of it. Oh, cool. What's the most exciting thing that you see happening in this space apart from what you're doing? Hmm, Which space? Just the connection of brand with digital content or content creators for that matter. There are a lot of uh, buzzwords and trends um, that people are talking about. One of my favorite is enlightened brands. So just as people, <laughs> yeah, just as people, that's all social's done, man. It's, it's allowed us to get very close to, to the reality of human behavior. It's shown extremes of it. It's shone spotlights on certain things that people are uncomfortable about. But those are principally human behavioral characteristics that have been with us for a long time. So another one of those things is brands are forced to be more conscious because they're forced to be more like people. So enlightened brands for me is very exciting where you're finding brands are forced to be better as if they were people. So an example is, I think it was in Portugal where they had this train station and for people to get a free ticket, they had to stand in front of this vending machine and do 10 squats. So it's forcing people to be a little bit healthier and then they would get a free ticket for that oh, ride. Wow. So things like that, I think, are very exciting for me. There are a lot of negatives too, mm. but I like to focus on, on those types of things because it is real and it is happening and you're going to see a lot more examples when you're aware of them. This is Digital Caveman Podcast. This is Digital Caveman Podcast. Brought to you by, brought to you by Thread. So what do you think, uh, like, let's say your client is a bank. Mm-hmm. And you can recognize that you know technology is going to get in the way of the future of being a bank. And, and banks have, I'm just using banks as an example, but banks have, have prided themselves on these big, you know, they're able to put their big brand in front of your face on a TV screen. Now, how would a, how would a more conservative brand like a bank or, or something else be able to play and, and seem important or seem authentic or or find an identity in this in this space? Have you got any ideas for something like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, relating to people. So let's let's look at a bank like a person. What does that 
person look like? That suit. What do you? What would you imagine the bank to look like? The guy between me and my money. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That. Well, I've seen that guy, and uh, he didn't look. He didn't look much like a bank. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I think what's interesting. Why I'm asking that question mm. is because I think it's a, an example of not an industry that we will love, will we'll ever learn to love it. They're sort of a brand that's in the way, but they own the space. But now with the way technology is moving and the way with social, they can't own that space anymore. So how do you turn a bank into a person? So does that person survive in society? Uh, perhaps not. So eventually that person won't exist, maybe. Uh, if that person does exist, yeah. they probably do let's not get into any illuminati conversations no no <laughs> uh, but th- let's say let's say they do um yeah. and and that bank wants to be successful in this space what they they can do is to understand that obviously their content is king mm. it needs to relate very much to their audience it needs to be insights driven it needs to speak to their audience and of course a bank can be on social and mm. they should do and they should be content is king but Distribution is queen and she wears the pants. So distributing it effectively, making sure that the right people are hearing the right messages in a way that they can understand is all about context. So Hmm. context is the key to that kingdom. Hmm. And they need to speak in the right channels with the right people behind the, the voice to the right people just like anything else. So if they are going to be on social and they are going to be seen as a person, they need to be quite clear on what kind of a personality they're speaking with. Then it needs to... that's, That's trying very hard to avoid the idea of a bank existing versus not existing. Right. I mean, but then it needs to seep into their corporate culture. I mean, corporate cultures, from what I'm hearing from you, is that corporate cultures in these businesses have to change to suit what you said, like to become a person, it's not, it can't just be uh, the campaign that we're running this month. Yeah. Again, also like this is, this is speaking to different types of people. You know, again, if you look in history, you've got, you've got leaders speaking down and the human race still exists according to that. The masses, if we're talking about the masses, those messages most probably still work. Mm. And I'm not sure how long it's going to last. But the masses still respond to that. And the money does still speak louder than anything else. And the banks are the money. So using your your analogy of the banks, it's a tricky one because Mm. they've got all the money and the masses do still respond to those types of messages. When the masses and their consciousness lifts, then we might find that inflection point. Cool. What do you think are trends that you are seeing now in the digital space that you think won't won't be here for another year or two, but you see them coming. I want to say the cat video trend. <laughs> well, that's been here for a while. It's been for a while. It's persistent. Eh? Um, persistent. Have you seen the one we did at all with the boobs? No, I haven't seen no, that yet. We, we, uh, Maybe post a link on this podcast as well so everyone can check right. that out. Keep the cat thing going. We, no, we did a, we did a, <laughs> we teamed up with uh, Derek Watson, the Sunday Blues guys. Yeah. For my movie, Stone Cold Jane Austen thing. We did a viral together where Stone Cold went to Derek Watts and the Sunday Blues and asked them, how do we go viral with our music video? We need to to get online, you know, because they're stupid. And (laughs) they just said boobs and cats, and we shot a whole music video that's just a hot chick running on a treadmill with her boobs jumping up and down. I have seen that video. (laughs) Yes, Yes. I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, no, that's a continuing trend. Yeah, sure. Trends that I want to see coming more are live streaming. I think that's going to change the game a lot. 
Um, so let, I, let me stop yeah. you there. Okay, let's talk live streaming because uh, we're very heavily invested in live streaming. And it's, at one stage, we, we really thought that the trend was going to be about channels, creating, being able to create channels for brands. Do you think that's relevant or do you think that YouTube is the channel? What's currently being live streamed? We're talking about sport mostly or events or things like that. Um, so you could have a channel mm. that focuses on specific types of live streams. I think, th I think that'll probably remain the same. So for a brand to own a specific channel that covers sport, uh, most likely going to happen. And I'm extremely excited to see how that does happen. Hmm. If you think about the revenues that are coming from just English Premier League and, and World Cup soccer, hmm. TV rights, where's that money going to go and who's going to own it and how are they going to own it? That's exactly the question that you're asking. And I'm, I'm not sure right. how they're going to own those channels, but those live streams are going to change the game. Excuse the excuse Cool. The That's good news. Charge of digital future. You are listening to the Digital Caveman Podcast, brought to you by Thread. Carry on with your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just trends that that won't last. Emoticons on WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've got that, an idea about this as well. Emoticons cool. Though. I mean, people it looks a bit like Mr. Hanky from South Park. Yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. My <laughs> wife had a cool idea though. Yeah. Imagine an app that you could take photos of yourself. That you could make into emoji cons, oh, like selfie cons. Cool. Selfie cons. Yeah. Shh. shh. <laughs> Sign an NDA before anyone. this podcast. <laughs> that is cool. I like that. Mm. That could be coming. That could be a thing for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the internet, man. When you start talking about the internet, though, it does start to get quite exciting. I think a lot of people close their eyes to the rapid pace of development that they can see in front of them. Mm. Uh, never mind the stuff that they can't see. So like Steve Jobs had that iPhone in his back pocket kind of story, you know? The only bottleneck is our education, our ability to understand the new tech. Mm. So, I mean, Apple's got a line of things that are coming that we probably don't even know about they had five years ago. Yeah. They're just economics and education. Mm. Those are the two bottlenecks. So that being said, let's pretend we didn't have those bottlenecks. What's coming? The internet, if you've seen the internet, it's looks like a brain, the neural pathways of a brain. And that neural pathway is growing. So right now it's like a baby and it's starting to teach itself. So AI and all of those things are starting to get extremely exciting. You know, the internet's going to start teaching itself at a, an exponential rate and, and that's going to influence everything that we talk about. So next year's conversation, let's say we have this conversation next year or in five years. I'm putting um, it in my diary. Yeah. I want to see. <laughs> yeah, man, that baby's brain is going to have grown and there are going to be some really cool things as a result. And we're seeing a few of those things already, like those little butler apps where uh, it knows what you want and when you want it and it starts to read you. Um, you know, th those are going to be exciting. I think those are trends that I'm looking forward to. I think Elon Musk is the most fearful of super AI and that's essentially what that is. Fearful? Fearful, oh. yeah. He's fearful of the there's world lot, ending. Yeah, there's a lot um, of, uh, there's a lot of guys out there who are saying AI is the end of the world. Yeah. And Elon, he, you know, he's, he's already been able to solve or trying to solve a couple of them. So his solar projects and his SpaceX projects and things like that. Those are out of fear. <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> cool. sure what he's going to do with super AI. But that, those are the kinds of things that excite me I mean, when you think about the future or the trends that are coming up. Cool, Brennan. Thanks for being in the digital cave. Uh, you're welcome. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank cool, you. Cool, man. This was the Digital Caveman Podcast. If you know any digital pioneers that you'd like for us to talk to or have any questions, mail us at digitalcaveman at thread.co.za and we'll get on them if you like.
like to make a comment or get in touch, find Thread on Facebook and give us a like. Thread Digital Productions 